Dr. Robin Axelrod. On my drive to work one morning, I thought, how could I promote unity between OT and OTA students? How could I foster communication and leadership skills and promote our amazing profession? Welcome to my OT Journey podcast. Have you seen the 2021 My OT Journey Planner? This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. This planner is a must for OT students and practitioners. Check it out at myotjourney.com. Welcome to the My OT Journey podcast. Today is a special, special episode. The AOTA elections are starting next week, January 6th, and tonight I have another candidate for board of directors with us. I have Dr. Sarah McKinnon with us. She's the program director of the post-professional OTD program at MGH Institute of Health Professions. Sarah is also a member of the board of directors for the AOTA Political Action Committee. She's an assistant professor in the Department of Occupational Therapy. As I said before, the program director for the new online post-professional doctorate of occupational therapy at MGH. She completed her bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degree all at Boston University, and also earned a master's of public administration and healthcare administration. She's a board certified therapist in physical rehabilitation from the AOTA. And on her role in AOT PEC, she's um, now currently on in that role, which ends in 2020. She's the government representative for the Massachusetts Association of Occupational Therapy, the MAOT. And she's currently a candidate for the AOTA Board of Directors. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Robin. What a spiel. I so much thank you for that <laughs> wonderful introduction. <laughs> thank you for joining us. So there's so much here and thank you for giving your time and um, your expertise to this podcast. But I want to know how you chose OT as a profession. How did you decide to become an occupational therapy therapist initially? You know, Robin, it's like such a great question because my, I feel as though there are so many different um, pa- uh, paths that people have to this wonderful profession. So for me, I I was one of those people who didn't know what occupational therapy was. Um, you know, throughout my childhood, I I was so so lucky to to land upon a wonderful health and rehabilitation sciences college at Boston University. And when I was exploring, you know, future uh, professions. This was the most wonderful mix of education and healthcare, and my ability to immediately impact others. So I, 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 I changed my major three or four times in my during my undergraduate studies, and didn't really have an aha moment until um, you know I just learning more about the opportunity once I was a college student. So, um, yeah, I just. No, no, no big aha moment, but it's a wonderful, a wonderful spot. And I'm so happy to be a part of the community. So that's, that's great. And what was it like for you? You, you went to Boston University from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that experience like for you as a student? Did you have any challenges that you came um, into at, during that time? Or was it, was it just smooth sailing? Was it, you know, what was that experience like? I know Boston University is a really great program and, um, you know, really great professors and overall just wonderful. What was it like for you? Yes, thanks. I feel as though my college experience was so unique because I was so lucky to join a very big school and have an immediate group of of friends through my college athletic experience. 
So growing up in Pennsylvania, it is a huge um, field hockey world um, as other parts of the country too. But I was so lucky to um, attend Boston University with uh, academic studies in mind, but also with athletics on my mind too. So my experience um, I, just in college, I feel as though it was so different, um, just having that wonderful opportunity to um, be on a team and, and have those experiences, totally participating in my meaningful occupations um, and, and still attending school. Um, one of the, one of the uh, reasons that attracted me to occupational therapy, but also at, at just at Boston University was their reputation for the stellar academics and programming. So um, I might, even though I spent my undergrad and graduate years at Boston University, um, it was, it's not like, uh, you know, you, you have a leg up just because you know the BU world in your undergrad years. It is challenging as a graduate student. There is, like many programs, there are so many opportunities um, for self-reflection and critique, um, all to prepare you to be an excellent therapist. And I feel like I had those things, but I really had some challenging times um, in, you know, managing all the things that I loved in my life, um, but also working to prepare myself to be an OT. Wow, that, that's so, I mean, everyone brings their own experiences to the table during their journey and towards their um, treating of, you know, patients and just their whole career path. Um, where did that lead you to? What did your career end up? What, what area of practice did you start out with? And, you know, how did you get to where you are today in terms of your career? Absolutely. So, as I mentioned to you already, I didn't have my big aha moment that I knew exactly what OT was and that it was for me. And it really wasn't until I was immersed in the studies that I knew that the scope of OT was exactly in line with my long-term goals. But even when I went out to field work, I had no idea what population I wanted to work with or what setting I wanted to work with. I just loved the whole profession. So I had decided um, that at about five years that when I, you know, that, that I would explore, you know, various practice settings and various populations and not become a specialist too early in my career. And at five years, I would determine and reflect, you know, what is it that I could really do to contribute to the profession? And I uh, started my first jobs out of college were in inpatient rehab facilities. Um, one was outside of um, Philadelphia. I was actually living at home with my parents um, after field work and, and took on that role and then chose to move to Florida and try out another um, inpatient rehab center. Uh, again, working with adults with primarily neurological diagnoses. It was after five years of working in inpatient rehab that I, I chose I wanted to mix it up. I knew that I had a passion for working with adults and in working in medically complex settings. Um, but I also was feeling that I actually had client stories and perspectives to really influence policy and uh, the policymakers. So that's when I really, you know, chose to one, you know, dive into acute care and, and try out that realm, but also um, further develop my skills in advocacy and leadership um, because I felt as though that was a gap in the profession and area that I could fill. So um, after moving back to Boston from Tampa, Florida, um, I, I worked full time in at Mass General Hospital in acute care, um, and then I transitioned to a teaching role at Boston University, um, working part time at BU while also teaching many clinical jobs. Um, and then just last year, I transitioned to a full time role in academia. So I still hold a clinical appointment at Massachusetts General Hospital, 
um, working in acute care, primarily medically complex settings um, and working with adults. Um, but I also have a nice um, tie here to um, academia and educating our occupational therapy practitioners seeking to go back to school. That, that's so amazing that you're still in that role um, in the hospital. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you know, especially now with COVID, that must be such a different experience and an evolving experience for you. And um, what's that been like? I mean, you know, can you share a little bit about that experience and yeah. how COVID has affected that role? Right. I can a little bit, um, but not as much as our, as our um, you know, full-time or even part-time workers um, who are there a lot much, a lot more frequently than I am. So during the pandemic, I working per diem, I actually chose not to go back as frequently for various reasons. Um, one huge reason being, you know, me taking on a primary caregiver role um, in my house um, for my for my child, and just not being able to work as much um, during the during the time with daycares and schools being closed. Um, but that being said, in my primary um, in my primary teaching role. Um, as faculty of a post-professional OTD program, I work daily with, uh, with um, clinicians who are working in the school setting and in outpatient settings, home health settings, and in hospital settings. And it is through their experiences that um, I learn, right? We all learn so much from each other, but also allows me to even feel more connected to the OT um, profession um, and the clinicians working the front lines right now during the pandemic um, as I reflect on my, my role um, and my future, hopefully, as a, as a new um, director on the board. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's so great. And I mean, uh, I know you're a mom. I think you're, is your son's name Will? His name's Will. Yeah, Will. He's, <laughs> he just turned three in oh. August. Oh, wow. Wow. So that must have been also um, an experience for you, you know, in your career, your, you know, becoming a mom. And, and what was that like for you? I mean, was that a difficult transition? And how did you sort of, how do you balance that um, you know, on a daily basis? Right. Well, it's a challenge. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, myself, I know, you know, I can... I talk a lot with my friends and colleagues and students in the program and just people I work with about, you know, even if you take COVID out of the picture, managing, um, you know, many things that you love in life, even though you love them all, you know, time is, time can be challenging and it's hard to be present in, um, you know, in every single thing that you love to do, which as OTs, we all, at OT practitioners, we all, you know, have many loves of life, right? So, um, you know, my transition into motherhood and working a challenging career, I'm sure is similar to others, um, having to manage time in my roles and um, doing the best I can to leave work at work, which is so challenging in our profession. Um, but it also allows me to, you know, better prepare myself to be able to um, connect more with, again, students and clients and um, other people that I work with. So it's been a joy. Wow. Okay. That's, that's so, so amazing. And, and it's amazing that you're able to do all this, you know, all those roles. Um, let me ask you about your going into academia. Did you, I mean, was that something that you envisioned when you graduated school? Did you ever think mm -hmm. about teaching? How did that come about? How did you enter yeah. that field? It's so no, I had no idea. I mean, I would have thought back in OT school, I mean, we're all, 
you're 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 in OT school to and you're so excited to become an OT, right? And you're so many people are so charged into helping others and working, you know, with clients one-on-one -on -one and with their caregivers and families. And that's all I wanted to do. Um, you you would have never thought that I would have been back in a in a teaching environment. But there was opportunities that I had to be a fieldwork supervisor, which again, bless all of our fieldwork supervisors um, <laughs> who help keep our profession strong. Um, but working um, with various students, I learned from them, but also found as though that there's an opportunity for me to give back to the profession um, by really sharing my clinical skills, not just in a fieldwork supervisor role, but potentially teaching um, in clinical labs. Right or or guest lecturing, you know, sharing my experiences about what I've learned. So that that um, little like push um, really got me into the academic um, role. You know, I reached out to professors. Um, again, I didn't even think that they would remember me because it was so many years past um, when I graduated. And I reached out to a few, sharing my updates, what I'm doing, asking for opportunities, planting a seed. And that really led to so many things, um, being a lab instructor and guest lecturing to a part-time teaching role, to a full-time teaching role. And again, um, it wasn't a long-term goal at the time, um, but now I feel as though there's uh, so much opportunity for me to help influence positive change for our, for our profession and our students. So great, and um, you know, I I share the same experience. I you know when I when I graduated OT school, I was like you know sort of like laughing at my friends who were going back to get their doctorate, and I said I'm never going back to school. And teaching was never on the list of things that I thought I would ever do in my life. And here I am, also you know a full time professor in academia, and mm -hmm. you know I, I guess it's sort of like going with your passions and going with what you love and finding your path within the OT world. You know within you know all the areas of practice because um, there are so many choices in our profession and that's one of the things I really love about it um, so I'm glad that we share that can you share a story of uh, personal success one of success and one of potential challenge or failure with our community mm -hmm. yes I mean I feel like as an OT you have so many in both of those <laughs> buckets right um, you know, I think I, I can share one of my my proudest moments, um, or you know, my successes would would be my. I guess there's two I'd like to share. One <laughs> is my ability to link um, real life practice, um, real life clinical practice as a clinician, um, to like the best practice environment in an academic setting. So I think, you know, one of the biggest successes I had is, well, you know, still, well, being in a new academic position and still being able to work clinically really provides me the opportunity to bridge that gap between clinical practice and academia, because I can not only inform the students, but I can also inform my colleagues who might not have the same clinical or recent experiences that I do of what's happening out there and what the morale is really like and what's really happening in terms of assessment and intervention at various settings. And I'm really proud of that um, opportunity to, to work in both roles of a clinician and as um, someone in academia. So that's one success. Um, I think the other one I wanna just mention is my ability to take chances and uh, 
in terms of my advocacy policy and leadership development to um, run for the AOT PAC board of directors. So that was something I did now already six years ago when I had interest, I had passion, I had enthusiasm. I didn't really know the best way to use all those skills at that point in my career. And I do think that so much of my, um, my skills related to leadership and public speaking and um, motivating others in communication have, has truly developed um, over, over that time with the AOT PAC Board of Directors. So I hope that those, um, those successes I don't know, resonate yeah. with you. Or no, for, for some sure. of you out there listening. <laughs> for sure. I mean, even for me, I mean, I, I share that same experience of, you know, being a, a therapist in early intervention setting. And I still have a clinical practice in early intervention while also teaching. And I teach a pediatric coursework in my program. And for me, I can bring those real life experiences of what it was like during the pandemic to, you know, switch to telehealth, like literally overnight. And, you know, and what, and all those new experiences that we're all experiencing, you know, right now on, on a day-to-day -day basis is such a great learning tool for all of us. And um, it's really priceless. It's really, it's, it's so important in terms of teaching. So. Yeah. And um, there's nothing more powerful than like really like hearing it from the people who've experienced it themselves. Or sure. what I love is, you know, learning from people who, if they don't know or haven't experienced, like has that network for us to all share knowledge. So yeah. I hear for you, sure. Robin. I, for I, I sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I'm glad that we share that. What about some challenging times or a failure that you could share? Because we, we all have those too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we all have those. <laughs> I mean, and when you say those, like when you ask about that, like what pops up into my mind are like some of those very first months and years as a OT practitioner where you might have had a tough right. Client experience, caregiver experience, a tough interprofessional challenge or something. Um, so, you know, I don't have, I don't have just one, a gosh, I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, my gosh, you know, again, like that, that tough patient or, you know, a really bad session or something, um, you know, and I, I, I think about sort of those as a whole, um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I've learned so much more from working with challenging colleagues and challenging clients mm -hmm. and caregivers um, about, you know, how to be a better listener. So I, you know, I won't give one exact example there, but sort of share a theme of some of those challenges that I'm sure a lot of our, you know, youthful or seasoned practitioners face on, you know, on a daily basis. No, for sure. And it's so important um, to just to, to embrace them and not to, you know, I mean, be upset. you could be upset in the moment, but really to take a step back and to think about what you can learn from that experience and what you could have done better or what didn't work out, what you could do for the next time, you know, just building on those experiences is really, you know, something that I've learned to do. You know, it definitely hurts, <laughs> you know, definitely mm -hmm. difficult and it hurts and you, you start questioning yourself and all these thoughts and ideas come into your head and you start beating yourself up. But really like, you know, what I've learned over time is really like to take a step back, look at it with a different lens and think about really, you know, what could have been done or why that happened in that moment. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, so, so, so important to think about those challenging times as well. Um, what advice would you give students or practitioners at this point? I think, Robin, that it is so important 
even if you don't know what your future holds for you, and this is like as a practitioner or as you know anybody, even if you don't know exactly where you see yourself in a few years or what you want to do, it's so important just to have those conversations with people, to share your interests, and to almost create your own mentoring circle or, or mentorship relationships. So, um, I mean, there have been times when, you know, I'm like, I don't know where I see myself in five years, or I don't know what I see myself doing in 10 years. But just having, you know, standing conversations with some people that you really value um, their, their opinions and uh, their experiences, to have those conversations with people often about just things that interest you, what's working for you in your professional life, what you wish you had more of, because it is those conversations that, that, that your network expands and that others can help you grow. So um, that would be my, so my, I guess, you know, my advice to a student or a seasoned practitioner is to have conversations with people that you value, whose opinions you value, and have them often. And even if you don't know your long-term goals, to share what interests you and just what you, what you hope to get out of your life um, personally and professionally. That you know, that's such great advice. I have to say, and you know, maybe I'm a little bit embarrassed about this, but uh, until a couple of years ago, until I, until I actually um, went through an OTZ program, a post-professional OTZ program at Quinnipiac, I I really didn't have anyone that I spoke to. I was sort of like embarrassed to ask the questions or to ask for advice or for help. And I tell my students all the time now, looking back, I could have really gained so much from asking those questions and from, you know, getting a mentor and really having those discussions. And, uh, you know, through my doctoral experience, I sort of, you know, became close with certain people who I really, really admired, a program director and professors that I had. And, you know, that's such good advice to give because we shouldn't be afraid to ask those questions. Asking the questions, just makes us stronger. It really builds us up. It gives us good information. And I feel like there are so many people in our field, so many professors, so many clinicians, um, so many, you know, just professionals that are willing to give their experience and their knowledge to others just as a service. You know, they're happy to answer the questions. They're happy to give their time. And students just, and new practitioners or seasoned practitioners just need to ask the questions and really start that conversation. So that's so, so important. I really, I, I, I definitely totally agree with you on that one. Um, so what, you know, the AOTA elections are coming up next week and it's super exciting, but I would like to know, and everyone, you know, on this platform, we'd like to know, we heard a little bit about your OT journey. What do you bring to this board of directors position and how did you decide to um, run for this position? Great. Um, well, first of all, I mean, I thank you again for allowing me to have this opportunity to share more about myself. I do think that one area that is challenging in the elections process is how do we how do we get to know everybody, right? I mean, the OT world is small, but it's still really big. <laughs> we don't all know each other. Um, and, so, and I appreciate this platform to just share a little bit about myself. Uh, so there are some things that I feel as though I can bring to the board, um, again, based on so much of my personal and professional experiences. So something that I've already mentioned to you before is that I'm um, an educator and I'm also a clinician. And um, I, I think that I would really uh, help bridge the, the gap between academia and practice um, amongst you know, the board members, um, but also really be able to relate with, with many uh, different stakeholders or, or, or members, um, again, who, those who might be students or practitioners or um, those in an academic setting. 
another thing that I feel as though I can bring to the board is my um, experiences um, related to advocacy and policy development. And so, as you mentioned in my introduction, and there is a theme here, I love um, informing the um, helping to inform the stakeholders and the policymakers of the value of our profession and um, the, the need for us to be even more present in different areas of practice. And so um, I've had a track record of, of some of that work at the state level within Massachusetts, um, and then also seeing even um, some behind the scenes work of how those ideas uh, come to fruition from being on the AOTPAC board of directors. So I think that those are the two strengths that I'd like to highlight um, the most tonight. Um, Okay, <laughs> sorry. And um, and your mission uh, in terms of bringing to our, to this position, do you have a specific mission? A specific mission? Is that what you said? Excuse me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, great. Well, I mean, my um, my mission is that um, in the next uh, three to five years, uh, our board of directors and our association must strategically implement innovative solutions related to emerging practice, social justice, and policy. So I feel as though our um, association needs to not only be um, proactive and trend-setting, but be able to identify societal gaps before they happen. Um, and I'm hopeful that as a member of the board, I can help contribute to that long-term goal. That's great. That's so, so great. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I, I wish you tons of luck um, in this election next week. Everyone should really vote. Um, it opens on January 6th. And if you want to follow Sarah on Instagram or Facebook, um, be sure to follow her at S McKinnon OT. Um, that's S-M-C-K-I-N-N-O-N-O-T on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you so much for your experiences and your advice. And again, I wish you tons of luck in the election next week. Thank you, Robin. Thanks again for having me and to all the listeners. Um, thank you for your time, your support. Um, but also know that you can contact me at any time, um, regardless of the board results. I'd love to get to know you and share more about what I talked about today. Great. Thank you so much again. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you to the student contributors. If you liked it, please subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook at MyOTJourney, and on Instagram at MyOTJourney. Thanks for listening. Go OT!